Good evening and welcome to CMRU.ca's Federal Elections Podcast. Tonight, we will be discussing the issues, the debates, and the scandals of this election. My name is Victoria Ashley and I'm a fourth-year broadcast media studies student focusing in news. I am Amber Ortega Pinto. I am a third-year broadcast media studies student and I am co-host of Destroying Walls here on CMRU.ca. This show runs bi-weekly and airs on Sundays at 2 p.m. My name is Madeline Seifert. I'm a first-year student in broadcast media studies and the host of Punk Roots, which will be starting on Election Day, Monday, October 21st at 7 p.m. here on CMRU.ca. And I'm Michaela De Los Santos. I'm also a first-year student in broadcast media and the host of Musical Memoirs with Michaela, starting next week on Thursdays every 11 a.m., also here on CMRU.ca. And uh, I'm Carlos Montesinos, a fourth-year broadcasting student here at Mount Royal University. Canada's 43rd election has been filled with issues, some that we all knew were going to be uh, very important, and some that really came out of nowhere. So our first discussion of the night is, what is the most important issue in this election? I feel like the most important issue really depends person to person. Um, but seeing how we are a student-run radio station, maybe we should talk about what's important to students. Has anyone seen any of the platforms for students and what these parties are are promising? Yeah, so, which one? Okay, we're gonna start off with the conservatives, I guess you could say. Um, they promise for the RESPs, um, instead of 20%, it's gonna be 30% for every dollar you invested. Um, and you could invest up to 2500 a year. And so instead of getting 500 um, you get 750 Justin Trudeau, who is part of the Liberal Party, um, said that we could s- not start paying our loans until after two years. And then if you didn't make up to $35,000, you still didn't have to pay. If you were a parent then you don't have to start paying until your child is five years old and you're also making 35000 Do you guys know anything about the other candidates? Well, I know that both Jagmeet Singh and Elizabeth May have proposed to abolish tuition costs, mm-hmm. which is a big thing for students. I yeah. know it would help me exponentially. Yeah. yeah. Well, it would also open the, like, the doors of universities up to people who wouldn't be able to go otherwise. Lots of people yeah. avoid going to post-secondary because they don't want to be haunted by loans after the fact, or they just simply like can't afford to do so. But So by removing tuition, that would just make education easier for everyone to access, which would right, yeah. make our country as a whole more educated, which would advance us as an entire nation. Um, but it's just like, how, how would you even propose to do that? Like, how are you going to abolish tuition? How would teachers get paid? How would they keep the schools running? Like, the government would obviously have to subsidize uh, that cost. So, like, where would that money be coming from, I wonder? So, um, what I read from the NDP, they said they'd cap and reduce tuition fees. So, basically, what they do do for, you know, elementary and high school, they just want to make it free up to university. So, it's just like elementary and high school where they cap it. But then, um, like... Your argue like what you said earlier, um, Victoria, is that how are we gonna pay the teachers and all that and with the money, right? Yeah. That also has to do with like how is the quality gonna be like of education along with it if like university cost is like free, right? Well definitely and I mean one of the reasons I like Mount Royal so much is because of smaller class sizes. Mm-hmm. But if they yeah. got rid of tuition, I mean everybody would Mm-hmm. The class sizes would just expand exponentially, and mm-hmm. then you're not getting as much like one-on-one time with your profs. Uh, you're not getting 
just as much attention as you normally would be and it's just like going to any other university we are kind of just like sitting in an auditorium of hundreds of people and your professor may never even know what your face looks like so I mean there are obviously pros and cons to free tuition but then do we know how it would work for people who already have like let's say us Mm -hmm. we've already paid so far myself and Carlos for Mm -hmm. four years yourself Amber for three you guys Mm -hmm. are just starting to pay for your first Mm -hmm. Uh, would we be like reimbursed for those costs Or people with outstanding loans, would they just be nicked? Honestly, if they just erased my debt, I would be okay with (laughs) it. I think that's just... And you have to think about, obviously, taxes would would increase for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally don't think that the quality of education will go down. I believe that teachers will still come here and professors will still come here and they will teach on behalf of of the increased tax hike. And -hmm. that's essentially what it is. And, And a lot of the issues that have been discussed... Uh, taxes has been the main focal point. Where mm-hmm. where's where's the money coming from? Where's the money coming from? Where it's gonna be obviously taxes, right? Mm-hmm. I just I actually want to touch base on what Andrew Shear uh, talked about five days ago. Uh, he finally re- uh, released his platform, and he's <laughs> talking about a universal tax cut. I don't know if you guys have yep. Yep. given this any thought. Do you do you guys want to chime in on that? Um, I think the universal tax cut is still going to benefit the rich people more than middle class and, you know, under middle class. And um, I think that it's not going to help because he said that the tax cut would put $850 um, back into our pockets. But by doing that, you're cutting taxes. And then you're going to cut public services that a lot of people need. And I just don't think it'll benefit people of middle class. It'd probably benefit the rich more. Also, in the grand scheme of things, if you think about it, $850 back in my pocket isn't much. It's not going to help me out much. Yeah. It'll probably cut, like, give you some books for school. If we're (laughs) talking, like, on on a student. Yeah. uh, For students, We're talking annually, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, I've got it right here that it's (laughs) actually couples would earn $850 more annually. Individuals would only earn $440. And for some classes, that might be one textbook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that students, we benefit from um, the public services as well, like libraries, and um, there's mm-hmm. like Center for Newcomers as well. And students who are like in international students, they can benefit from those programs too. So that 450 isn't necessarily benefiting people more than the social services that we can receive from the government by paying taxes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty fair to say that people who are making much more money are going to be saving more than $850. Mm-hmm. And that's money that could be going back into those social services. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, on the topic of yep. putting more money in people's pockets, I know that um, both the NDP and Green Party want to um, basically subsidize costs for dental care and for pharmacare for people who are within... Yep certain pay grades mm-hmm. um i mean that would definitely the dentist honestly i'm not even i always rant about how dentist is not part of health care because if you have dental issues it literally affects your whole mm-hmm. life like mm-hmm. if you need a root yeah. canal you can barely eat mm-hmm. it keeps you up at night you can't even yeah. sleep and the fact that people have to pay for things out of pocket mm-hmm. is is a little ridiculous i mean if you're getting like whitening or something cosmetic then i can understand paying for it out of pocket but yeah. i think that um that would be a great move if we could subsidize dental care for people in lower income brackets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And pharmacare too. I know that prescription drug costs are 
unbelievable. I don't know how people can afford them. Yeah, it's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, as students, we have um, a certain amount of coverage through our school plans, yeah. but it's really not very much. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, for even, like, eyes, I think every two years you get, like, $150 or, like, mm-hmm. $200 towards it, which is, I mean, if anybody, like, I have glasses, so you can't buy a pair of, you oh, get yeah. your eyes checked and get a pair of glasses for $200. Yeah. Like, it's insane. I've resorted to buying my glasses online, and mm-hmm. there are pros and cons to that, obviously, but... Um, what people consider to be like healthcare and covered under healthcare and what's not covered under healthcare is, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of gray lines there, I think. So do you guys think that maybe there wasn't enough talk about students in this election leading up? Yeah, um, when I was trying to look for each um, platform's stance on education, it was actually really hard to find. I had to keep <laughs> typing in like different words to find what they wanted to say because we have to obviously fact check and get it from the original source and I did find that it they barely touched on education and right. for universities specifically and they did talk about um, elementary schools but n- still not that much well and that's my whole thing especially with the with the conservatives I know they're promising a lot of uh, tax benefits and tax breaks to, to mm-hmm. families which is great um, but again, this whole issue of more money in your pocket, I don't feel as a student that there's there's money going into my pocket, right? I feel like I'm, I'm still having to dish out, not necessarily more, but I mean, I know that once I graduate, there's a lot of money that I'm going to owe. And that's also very scary to think about. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if the NDP are touching on it, that's great. If the Green Party's touching on it, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, with the two... Uh, obviously liberal and conservatives, I feel like they're not touching on it enough, and I, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. Um, but yeah, I, I would have I liked uh, more, more consistent talk um, in terms of issues dealing with students. And from the debate, too, like the McLeans and the CBC mm-hmm. ones, they did not, I don't think they've actually talked about it ever. I, I could be wrong, but from what I remember, there's not really much that talk of, about it. Um, they touched based more on um, like indigenous issues and climate change and energy and not that it's not that important but you know since we're talking as students we didn't really get anything much from it yeah and so wh- when I was actually watching those debates I want to hear you guys opinions on it um, personally when I was watching it I kept a- asking the people around me like so how are they gonna find money for that they're not backing up their claims they're just saying yeah. I'm gonna do this okay how and a lot of the times I felt like the debates, especially Sheer and Trudeau, I felt like they were just attacking each other and they yeah, weren't that's really focusing on the issues. And I'm like, you're running out of time instead of like, you know, targeting each other, actually focus on the issues. And that's why I feel like Singh, he has really good rhetoric because he actually um, touches on the topics and tries to go back. But uh, yeah. So how did you guys think about the debates? What did you guys? I think I'm kind of on the same page as you. I thought... I think Singh did a really good job. He was definitely speaking my language. Um, <laughs> uh, talking about how how he was going to pay for it. He's yeah. going to increase taxes on the wealthiest 1%. And when it comes down to it, I feel, me personally, I feel like that's the most reasonable option. Because otherwise it's going to be coming out of the pockets of people who frankly can't afford it. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about the... Um, the conservatives refusing to partake in the climate change debate. I think that's a bit weird. Yeah. Like it's weird, but it's not. 
it's not unexpected. No, yeah. definitely yeah. not unexpected. Um, and, and that's the, the whole thing with the platform. I feel like it's a lot of just smoke and mirrors at this point. Um, just based on... I, I, because the thing is, Sheer, like you're saying, where's the money coming from? Like, Sheer, you know, he's cutting uh, foreign aid, which mm-hmm. obviously Elizabeth May was definitely not for. Mm-hmm. You saw that in the, in the mm-hmm. debates. And uh, he touched on corporate welfare. That's where a lot of the money's going to come from. <laughs> I so, just, like, need a fact check on... Because I remember in the McLean debate, May did say something towards Sheer that that plan wasn't going to work because he didn't only mention... Um, the 25 because I think it was 25 percent cut in the for like the foreign aid and then the other thing you said I forgot but um she also mentioned the his climate change platform you know there's like this innovation yeah he wants to uh he wants to invest more in innovation so just while we're doing that it looks like the conservatives refused a climate change debate and the liberals actually refused a foreign policy debate I guess that wasn't something that was talked about much. And um, is, the, is the greenhouse tax the same as carbon tax, though? It's Is it? Because mm, I'm searching it up, and what's coming up is the carbon tax, right? It's like the green home renovations tax credit. Is that the one? That's, oh, so yeah. That's, yeah, so that's Andrew Shear's response to the carbon tax, because he's made it clear that he's going to abolish the carbon tax. Right, if yeah. He t- okay. If he takes power. And he's going to implement that. Uh, sorry, do you guys want to? What was it called again? <laughs> the the one the thing I just said yeah the green home renovation tax credit yeah and I'd like more information on that because I really it, it it's really not clear as to what that actually means like does that mean if I have a solar panel on my roof that I'm gonna get more money at the end of the year yeah like it's kind of like the electric cars right once you get right. an electric car you get incentive for it and that kind of stuff yeah so it's one of those things where like if you pay to have a bunch of um, solar panels put on your house you can file to get like a tax rebate so you get money back for doing that so who can afford uh, a solar panel on the roof well i mean not i <laughs> but again. I've, I've only seen solar panels on uh, on nice looking houses Ex- so yeah, that's exactly yeah well i mean when we're talking about green home renovations it's not just solar panels right. um i'm here on the conservative website and it says that um, renovation eligible renovations would include the installation of high quality insulation, um, high efficiency furnaces, replacements of doors and windows with more efficient models, and the upgrading of ventilation, heating, and cooling systems. And then it does also say solar panels, so it's not like you were off the mark. But well, I know that um, I think it was about a year ago I was chatting with. Um, a friend of mine's parents and they had done a bunch of renovations to make their home greener and then they hit all these roadblocks trying to get their incentives back and I'm honestly not even sure if they they ever ended up getting them but they followed all the guidelines and then when it was time to collect they just kept hitting all of these roadblocks and had jumped through all of these hoops and at the end of the day it was almost like it wasn't even worth it anymore and they just Mm -hmm. gave up so I mean all these incentives are great but how easy is it for people to actually get them that's true. And also, what if you can't afford a renovation in the first place? This is still only affecting and only benefiting a certain um, demographic of citizens. Okay, so the greenhouse renovation by the conservative conservatives, my, my sorry, um, is to encourage Canadians to lower emissions from their homes. Um, and they will introduce a two-year 20% refundable tax credit to help cover the cost of green home renovations between $1,000 to $20,000. So 
gone. That's what it was. So what about families and apartments or people who own condos? That doesn't won't affect them at all. No. You're not getting anything. Or like anybody who's renting or which when you're living in the downtown area, that's a a large number of the population falls into that. And I mean, I guess if you own a condo and you're part of the condo board and everybody chips in to maybe renovate their condo, you might get something that way. But again, it's mostly for people who have enough money to afford their own homes and then have Mm -hmm. enough money to renovate, which just goes back to what we were already talking about. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad idea, but I think it's not enough. That's not a plan to tackle climate change. And it definitely doesn't help all Canadians. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's definitely, a, a, I feel like, a, a targeted uh, tax break. Okay. Um, did you guys hear about Barack Obama endorsing Trudeau? Yeah, I just heard about it today. Yes. Do, do you want me guys to read out the tweet? Please. Okay. Sure. I was proud to work with Justin Trudeau as president. He's a hardworking, effective leader who takes on big issues like climate change. The world needs his progressive leadership now, and I hope our neighbors to the north support him for another term. And in the comments, <laughs> a lot of people are obviously saying that it's bad that he's meddling in foreign elections, blah, blah, blah. But um, what mm-hmm. do you guys feel about his tweet? Well, when I, because I saw that this morning as well, and it was almost like, did Justin Trudeau ask him to do that? <laughs> like, why? Yeah. What is he gaining by getting involved in this? Like, why would he? I don't know. It just seemed a little bit weird. Why would he take the time out of his day to do something like that unless it was like a favor to somebody? And I find that, I don't know, this this federal election has had a little bit more dirty politics than a lot of the mm-hmm. other ones. And it's reminding me more so of an American election than any other federal election in Canada has before. I mean, with the whole Justin Trudeau blackface thing, I mean... Yeah, that was horrible, but uh, it, it was also 20 years ago. We all did things that, like, even five years ago, like, there are things that I did that I, w- I wouldn't do today. And it's kind of, in my mind, is it, is it worse that, obviously, it's terrible that that was something that happened, but what's worse, the fact that somebody made a mistake 20 years ago or the fact that another party stooped so low as to use that against them? Like, that's yeah. dirty politics, and I don't want somebody who's going to lower themselves to dirty politics to be running my country. What other kind of dirty underhanded underbelly things are they going to be doing to get what they want so uh, what about the tweet like do you think that's okay that's good politics like well i mean again like why is he doing it what like did just like i don't know did justin trudeau ask him to do it because if so that's a little bit weird or did obama just wake up and was like you know what my guy needs some help i feel like trudeau and obama had a great relationship while they were both running uh, their respective countries and i don't see anything wrong with the tweet I mean, they're both obviously Democratic. Uh, d- the the Democrats and the Liberals are sort of alike with their with their platform and what they believe in. And you know, Barack Obama was the president. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not the president anymore. So I feel like it's it's a great endorsement. I mean, Rihanna followed Jagmeet Singh, and people <laughs> were loving that endorsement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, how is this any different? I know that yes, Obama was the president, but I f- if anything, don't you think Rihanna has a little more pull? Well, <laughs> I, I, to some people, I'm sure she does. But it's also like, why should Canadians care what Obama thinks about our election? Um, I think that a lot of Canadians, like especially me, I kind of am more into American politics because the United States, they are um, a force to reckon with, I guess you could say. And so it's always been very intense elections and Obama 
is seen in a very good light for a lot of Americans. So you see Obama as this um, idol, I guess you'd say. And so him endorsing, I guess he thought that it would incentivize other people to go out and vote for Trudeau. And a lot of people in the comments are actually... A lot of blackface posts. Blackface posts, and also they're asking why didn't Obama say anything? Because right now Joe Biden is running in the American elections, and he hasn't posted about Joe Biden. So they're kind of, why did you post about Trudeau but not Joe Biden when Joe Biden was your vice president? I guess, um, like, something we can analogize this to is, like, would you feel happy about Stephen, uh, Stephen Harper, sorry, Harper endorsing Trump? I just feel like Trump is more of an extreme than Trudeau. That's just yeah. my own opinion. Yeah. It's because, just the image. Yeah, Trump is more polar. Like, is in my eyes, in my opinion, is a very polarizing candidate and president. Mm-hmm. You can see that. You know, it's created a lot of debate in the United States, and so I just don't think that Trudeau and like Trump are the same. I don't. Maybe like I'm trying to think of like other presidents. Maybe like Reagan or. George Bush because they're conservative and they're still extreme, but I feel like Trump is like on another level. level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Totally. So, I, I personally don't mind him endorsing Trudeau because um, he's not the president anymore, and um, after he's done his presidency, his term, he can do whatever he wants. And so that's my own opinion that I, if he wants to endorse whoever he wants to endorse. Did you see um, the platforms they have for guns, you know, the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party? Um, I saw the Liberal Party. Uh, so for the Conservative Party, I got... So you, do you guys know Bill C-71? It was introduced by the Liberal Party um, for more background checks on firearm. Mm-hmm. The Conservatives have opposed this C-71. And that... Um, seems a bit weird to me because, you know, in the United States, we see a lot of gun violence, yep. a lot of shootings, and I feel more safe in Canada. And when I talk to people in the United States, I always say, you know, I do love to go to the United States, but, you know, some something could happen because of the background checks. And the conservatives saying that they kind of want to repeal this is a bit scary because I've always felt safe and background checks are really important to me. So my question is, do we have a gun problem in Canada? I don't, I don't, (laughs) sorry, I don't see, not as much as American, you know, in American media, you always, as sad as it is, like, Mm. you always hear about, there's a shooting here, there's a shooting Mm. there. I don't hear that much about it here in Canada. Like, it does happen, but it's not as common. Um, And it has gone up in the past few years, gun violence in Canada has um has gone up in the past few years and that's why i think i feel like sorry just (laughs) gang violence in general has has gone up it has and i think that equals to gun violence but i i just don't think they i i I think it's it's the gang violence that's actually going up and not the actual gun um i just have a friend whose neighbor recently lost their son due to a drug-related shooting so i think I think you're correct in saying that gang violence has gone up, but gang violence and gun violence go hand in hand. And I don't think that any good comes from repealing gun regulations. That's my opinion.
Mm-hmm. No, and that's fair. I just I just don't see gun violence as like a major topic. I feel like that just happened to to come up in this election. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of wondering, kind of wrapping my head around why now. So there's been um, 512 gun deaths as of today. Uh, so based on Stats Canada in this year, so 512. Mm-hmm. So I think too, um, it's one of those things that you don't really know about unless you kind of go looking for it. Um, I guess Canada just doesn't talk about it as much as the states does. Maybe they're trying to pretend like we don't have a gun problem here, and maybe we do, and they're trying to cover that up. I mean, I don't know. That's just... Mm -hmm. And that 512, um, what does that look like in comparison to earlier years? So there was 266 firearm homicides in 2017, which was 43 more than in 2016, and now we're up to 512. That's a significant increase. Yeah, it's a, it's dub- it's exactly double. Mm. Or wait, no, a little more than double, but whatever. It's, it's gone ra- up. It's around <laughs> double. It's gone up, and that could possibly why it's it's uh, one of the issues that uh, these leaders are talking about. Uh, does anyone know if the NDP or Green Party are have, have touched on gun violence? On the CBC Canada votes, um, when they're talking about the NDP, it says that they pledged $100 million, um, over five years to support school sports and drop-in center programs to prevent youth from getting into violence. So it's like a preventative measure. So I guess like that's what their stance is on gun violence, which I, I think is good, too, because, you know, a lot of these people who get in these situations, um, unfortunately, they may not have had the support, the family support and the means. You know, a lot of people... They are born into poverty, and then they have to do what they have to do, and then they get um, themselves in really bad situations with, you know, drug dealing going bad and getting into gangs. And then the Green Party says they're in favor of both a handgun and assault rifle ban. I think one of the big issues uh, that should be spoken about more is clean drinking water on reserves. Mm -hmm. Did anybody Mm -hmm. see... um, Singh was being interviewed and somebody was kind of being like, where's the money going to come from? Where's the money going to come from? And, you know, like, how are you going to get this money for this clean drinking water? And I thought his response was really valiant. And he was like, you know, if if Montreal had a clean drinking water problem or Toronto had a clean drinking water problem, Mm -hmm. this wouldn't even be a question. We would just fix it. Yeah. And nobody would be like, well, are you going to raise my taxes? So why are, um, like, First Nations reserves being overlooked and being neglected and people are like well why is that money coming out of my pocket when Mm -hmm. at the end of the day Canadians all have the right to clean drinking water and Mm -hmm. I personally think we should do everything we can to make sure that everybody has access to it Um, do we know where the other parties stand when it comes to this issue I know that the Green Party has also said that they would lift um, the boil water guidelines yeah. basically to they said they would provide clean drinking water which is good honestly up until this election i didn't even know that there were people in canada who didn't have clean drinking mm-hmm. water and i think that in 2019 it's a little ridiculous yeah the green party is focusing a lot on um, relations with indigenous peoples in canada and they know that they can't change the past but they're trying to work really hard to make sure that we have uh, a more camaraderie future with uh, Indigenous peoples in Canada, which I think is really important. Um, 
But yes, I mean, the Liberals have uh, taken leaps and bounds. They've lifted over over half of them. But the fact that there are still 56 left, that's still... That's still a lot. That's, that's still a lot. A lot. And yeah. this is across Canada, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine if every time you had some water, you had to boil your water. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be ridiculous. And then obviously you're more likely to buy bottled water and... Which adds on to the like, climate climate change yeah. argument of more plastic, right? The the single-use plastic, which was uh, another topic mm-hmm. that Trudeau definitely liked to touch on. Um, we all know about his <laughs> boxed water debacle. <laughs> there was a boxed water? Uh, he was trying to articulate... Um, <laughs> he was trying to explain how he uses boxed water as an alternative to single-use plastics. Oh. I still don't know what he was trying to say. I I'm think it was like a juice box <laughs> yeah. but with water. That's the only thing that I could gather from I've, that. But. I've drank water from a carton. It's called Just Water. Yeah, there's bo- <laughs> yeah, there's box water made in Detroit. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't that know. That was a thing. That's what I. That's where uh, my I, head went. I thought that's what he was talking about. I know like single-use yeah. ban it has triggered a lot of people. I work at a retail store that we have to give bags, and now we, they have to pay five cents, and that's... A really big issue for a lot of customers. There, yeah. I tell them it's not my fault because sometimes they yell yeah. at me. Um, well, it's also five cents. I know. I'm like in my mind. I'm like, you know, you could invest in reusable bags because that'd be better, and you can use that for different things, not just for buying groceries. You know, going to the beach and you yeah. want a bag. But anyways, um, a lot of them get really, really triggered about it, and. I tell them, you know, Trudeau wants to... I kind of talk to my (laughs) customers a lot about politics. I'm like, Trudeau wants to ban single-use bags. They're like, ugh! Like, they're, like, so triggered and they walk away. See, I kind of... I'm, like, I'm I'm all for it. Like, the banning Mm -hmm. of single-use plastics. Because, like, back in my town, I'm Mm -hmm. from Fort McMurray. We, like, the stores there, it's a Fort Mac thing that Mm -hmm. they don't really... um, They don't really give out plastic bags. In groceries, you kind of have your own bags. Mm. Um, I mean, there are still some stores there that would give out plastic bags. Um, but for the most part, if you go to the grocery, um, you have to bring your own reusable bag or else you'd have to buy a reusable bag. Yeah, and you know what? I feel like it incentivizes, like, the big corporations to find other ways because, you know, A&W is doing compostable straws now. And I, I went to Subway, and they're doing compostable straws as well. And... and um, another restaurant there or Starbucks isn't doing straws anymore they're doing just like lids which is still plastic but and and how big of an effect is this actually going to have on climate change well I I don't know climate change is not I don't even think it's something that's even up for debate I mean we need we need to live on this planet like if, if the climate changes to a point where things are boiling and this is this is an inhabitable place then like I don't know. It, it affects everybody. I don't even know. I don't even know why it's a debate. I think, like, steps need to be taken. Like, we need to stop. Like, I don't know. O- oil, living off of oil, and I know Canada, especially Alberta, is such an oil-based province. We make a lot of money off of that. But there are other ways to get energy, and we just, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to obviously be some growing pains. But we need to figure out something different, and we need to do it like yesterday. Mm. I mean, how many elections do we have left to pick someone who will take climate action until it's too late? That is true. That's a good point. I'm very conflicted about it, though. Very conflicted about it. I do want to point out 
Um, I was watching an interview with uh, the people People's Party leader, um, mm-hmm. Mac, Max, Maxime. Maxime Bernier. <laughs> and uh, he, I'm not saying he's a climate change denier, but the way he was talking, he used words like, well, the climate changes all the time. Well, we need to do more research on this. Obviously, that's a party that, you know, really, <laughs> to your point, I mean, obviously, that's not going to be the party. Where if, we, if, we're, if we really want to tackle climate change, it's not going to be the party. Um, obviously, we have the Green Party, who's been making waves in not o- in, in provincial politics as well. Um, and l- l- you know what? Can we move on to pipelines just <laughs> for a quick second? Yeah. Um, so again, Fort Mac. I'm from Fort Mac, um, and we live off of oil. Um, so I am conflicted about it. I'm, I I know climate change is happening, but at the same time, back in my town, it's what it's what we live off. If we do not have oil, if we do not have the oil sands, that town is dead for the most part. Well, I mean, I'm from Newfoundland where people live off the cod fishery and we've completely fished the oceans pretty much dry and people find new jobs. You have to learn a new skill. You have to yeah, grow. For sure. You have to change. I mean, again, I said there's gonna, th- th- there will be growing pains and it will be unfortunate. People will lose jobs. Jobs will disappear, but new ones will come up. If you find a way to make green energy, mm-hmm. You're going to need people to fill those jobs. You're going to need to create jobs. So people are just going to have to, unfortunately, find a new way to make money, try to learn something new. You know, if again, if there's no more tuition, go back to school and, and learn, a, learn something new. And at the end of the day, the planet that we live on is the only one that we have. And oil is just not doing as much good anymore. And if it's... Yeah. It, I understand where you're coming from, but people are just going to have to learn to, to grow and to change with the times because the world's not just going to be like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> See, my concern there is that Alberta's going to be left behind. I think that we can still move forward with oil and gas and with innovation and still be green. Like, I think there is a way forward and not it's, you know, it's not, oh, well, left, right. It's Yeah, for sure. There's definitely, a, a, a dis- a, obviously, this discussion's going to, going to keep uh, popping up. And also, Victoria, you were saying growing pains. It's also a question, right? Are Canadians ready for that growing pains? It's Is yeah. anybody ever ready for growing pains? I, I guess. Mean, True. I feel like the west of Canada is not ready. The west? The, the west. I think that BC <laughs> is ready. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm, I guess so, yeah. I think that they're more environmentally mm-hmm. aware. Um, Albertan... <laughs> You know, in politics, we always have to choose what values we care for more, and we see that with um, who we vote for. You know, uh, you know, obviously the Green Party, you know, environment over other yeah. values. Um, so we'd have to question the other platforms. I'm not going to say what I think each platform values more, but it is definitely apparent what each platform values. And at the end of the day, when you're voting, I guess you're going to have to take into account what you care about more, about uh, the money or about the environment, or about um, social services. And, I mean, there's also a lot of talk, like a lot, a lot of people don't even want Alberta oil anymore. There's this whole mm. Alberta oil, like Canadian oil is considered, these are not my words, dirty. And mm. yeah, we're, yeah. Not, we're not selling as much, it's not as clean as some other oils out there. So, like, what does the future of oil and gas in Canada even look like at this point? A lot of people aren't buying it anymore. We're one of the main people using it. And again, 
I, I think there's still a place for oil and gas, but I don't think it, I, I think it's time to step, like to step aside, maybe sit on the back burner a bit. And it, it can't just be like the only thing we're doing, the only thing we're using to make money. It can't just be, this is the way it's always been. So it's the way it always has to be. Cause unfortunately, mm-hmm. I mean, are we ready for change? I don't know, but the world definitely is. I agree. I think that, um, Touching on what Michaela was saying, I know you said that Fort Mac is an oil and gas town, but I don't think that just because oil and gas doesn't necessarily have a place in our future, I don't think that a town like Fort Mac has to die. I think that with um, new industries and new technologies comes new jobs. And if we started investing more in clean energy, then more people would switch over. So we have to take that first step. Exactly. Especially if there was some sort of incentive, like maybe like people who who switch from like oil and gas over to more renewable energies, like they'll get trained and, you know, the the government can be there every step of the way to be like, you know, we used to do this, but we're going to help you to change because now we're going to be doing this. So kind of handholding learning new skills and then taking people from one job and just kind of like moving them over to another. I mean, whether or not that'll happen, I don't know, but it could work. Yeah. It sounds yeah. expensive. Yeah. If I'm being honest. I, 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 know what you're, I know what you're saying and I agree with you. I just think there has to be a transitional period that's going to be slow um, because a lot of uh, foreign investment has pulled out of Alberta already. Mm-hmm. Um, just to mention one the, uh, in Norway. The largest pension fund in Norway has been removed. Four Canadian energy names uh, from its investment list and says it will no longer put money into companies that derive more than 5% of their revenue from the oil sands. Mm-hmm. So it says that KLP, um, I wouldn't, I, I'm not going to try and pronounce their actual company name because I'm afraid I might just mess that up. That's um, fair. You're not Norwegian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it says that it sold um, 58 million uh, U.S. dollars worth of stocks and bonds as it reduced its tolerance threshold for companies with interest in the oil sense from 30% to 5%, matching its limit for coal investments. Yeah, so basically our, our industry is not being focused on renewable energy and it's, it's losing us money at this point. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, I guess we already had talked about it earlier. Than I guess, like, speaking of innovation, I just want to point out, uh, is anyone, you guys know who Warren Buffett is? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's a really rich guy. Yeah, he's a really rich guy. So he is actually linked to a company who uh, is going to build a $200 million wind, uh, pa- wind yeah. power farm in Alberta. Oh. Mm-hmm. So is this the in- innovation that we, that we need here? Is is this what's gonna is this gonna help the transition out of oil and gas? I mean, things like um, wind energy or solar energy. You can even do um, like hydro. You can get energy from hydro. I mean, there's there's lots of options. Um, but again, something's got to change. Something's I just think it's weird that Warren Buffett is is putting money here for a, like wind power. Well, Lethbridge is very windy. <laughs> <laughs> lots, of, lots of power there. But um, with windmills too, right, there's also the environmental problem of birds, migratory birds, like getting killed because of it too. So Little would that bats. affect as, as much? 
I mean, it's <laughs> it's either I know, it's you like, win some, you lose some. Obviously, yeah, there's going to be a, the bird lovers who are like, no, take those down. But then it's going to be like, well, if we're trying to transition out of oil and gas, we're going to have to take some L's. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not trying to like, but I'm just like. No, we yeah. love birds here. Yeah. But in climate change is also killing animals all across the world. Uh, yeah. That's true. So true. Years of straw use has just. <sighs> the turtles. Turtles. The turtles. Yep. Those poor suckers. Actually, <laughs> if we're getting back onto the single-use plastic thing, um, I have a little anecdote that I think might be helpful to sort of show people w how much of an effect that could have if we were to ban single-use plastic. So I used to work at the mall, and it was at a clothing store. And when we got stock in, every single article of clothing was individually wrapped in a single-use plastic bag. And when we were done stock, we would have multiple garbage bags full of just plastic that often was not recyclable and I think about how many other of those stores there are in Canada how many other similar stores there are and if you think that banning single-use plastics isn't going to make much of a difference I think it really will because you don't realize how much of it we use I worked at a warehouse where we would get stock in and every single thing was com like individually wrapped and then we would open it up and put tags on it and then mm. use new plastic to individually wrap it again. So we were opening it, throwing away that plastic and then rewrapping it in a different plastic. So mm -hmm. even when it gets to stores, that's an insane amount of plastic, but the amount of plastic that it's going through even getting from each individual place is insane. Um. Well, I mean, if stores are worried about not having um, single-use plastic bags to give to their customers, they can switch to paper bags. Yeah, yeah. And that's what that's what a lot of grocery stores, uh, that's my area of expertise. Um, I know that we're <laughs> pushing towards that. Um, we're, we're charging for bags now. I know it's five cents, but people are frugal. You know what I thought was um, my store, we have a lot of boxes that come in because we have really large things and even like small boxes, just everything boxes, but we sell bags. I'm just thinking a lot of customers find these boxes around the stores and them themselves, they take the boxes and they put their stuff in it. And then I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, that's a great idea. Honestly, my store should actually use those boxes that we put in the recycling to um, use by using it instead of the bags. And Costco does that, Costco, right? Costco, yeah, they do. Actually, my store does that, too. I work at a liquor store, and we save all of the boxes up by the tills for customers to use. We do offer plastic bags, but again, it is a five-cent charge. Um, a lot of customers at my store, they buy, like, compostable bags, so maybe you could use compostable. Like, they're really large compostable bags, mm -hmm. so maybe they could use that instead for, like, the trash. Yeah. Um, but I think this is the issue. I think people, like, I, I'm, I'm lazy, you know what I mean? Like, I do not want to put in, and I'm just being honest, like, I don't yeah. want to put all this effort in it. And then when people people say, oh, we're going to put a, a ban on single-use plastic, it's like, that's more effort on my end. Yeah. I agree, though. I think we should move away from that. In a perfect world, I would love to to be that person, right? Um, well, so, banning it kind of, like, forces you to. D definitely, so yeah. So there's a solution. Th yeah, the solution is we're going to, if you don't want to, you know, play ball, we're going to make you play ball. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really like the liberal platform right there on, on single-use plastics. I mean, sometimes people need, need that push. Yeah, I know I do. Me too. I mean, my <laughs> garbage chute is my favorite thing about my apartment building. You just <laughs> down the chute, <laughs> buy forever. So if they took that chute away. But if, if the garbage bags were right beside the compostable bags, why would you just reach your hand and... 
buy those ones instead. Amber, I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> you still have to reach for the single use. But I have to think. They make me think more. Do you see all these garbage, these different types of garbages in, oh. at school? I've never had to look so hard before throwing something out. But even something like fun. that, that's already moving in a direction where we're going to have a, a greener planet, and that has already created jobs. Like if you go to Chinook Mall, they have people, you just bring your tray, you lay it down, mm -hmm. and there are people there who are paid to organize all of that for you. So mm -hmm. boom, there's already a job for a greener future. It, it does say here that uh, the Trudeau government hasn't produced a list of the products it's, it intends to ban, so we don't know about garbage bags specifically. Uh, but first, it has to consult with businesses and other levels of government and then decide which bans are supported by scientific evidence and warranted. Uh, but the wording of Mr. Trudeau's June 10th announcement singles out a few items as examples of harmful single-use plastics, such as straws and uh, bags. But if we do want to move on... Um, so what's interested you guys all the most in this election so far? Scandals or debates, leaders? What's caught your attention? Um, I would say the just the voter turnout. Yeah, the voter turnout and just the voter involvement in this election. Um, I have a friend who's worked the advanced polls mm -hmm. for the last couple elections and this one had a record turnout yep and i think it's really great to see that people are starting to take politics seriously so when you were saying that there's been um record turnouts for advanced pollings do you think that it's new people coming out to vote or they did improve their hours this year so do you think it's just easier for people to get out and vote or people are actually making the initiative to go out and do it i mean it could be a combination of both I'm I'm thinking probably both. I'm hoping it's more people actually getting up and deciding to go vote. That's what I hope it is. Um, I but yeah, I I wouldn't know. I do think the hours were a lot better this year um, because they were open for uh, Thanksgiving Monday, and that's actually when my parents went out to go. Vote. I went vote yeah. on Thanksgiving too, thinking there wasn't going to be a line. And there exactly, was a line. and that my my <laughs> parents yeah my my parents said that there was a steady line. So obviously you you know that that whole record number turned out like I definitely believe that. I think that people are are definitely more interested in this election uh, than in, than in past ones. That's for sure. Well, I just think getting out to vote is so important because, again, it's our right, especially, honestly, as women, we haven't been able to vote for really that long in the grand scheme of things. So I think it's important to get out there and exercise your vote. And what, what I would suggest to people is even if you think that none of the candidates are any good and you're like, I don't want to vote for any of these people, cast a blank ballot, still exercise your right, go to the polls, write your name on a ballot and don't vote for anybody, but you're still doing your due diligence as a Canadian citizen to exercise your right to vote. So no one says you have to vote for anybody. You can still go out and cast a blank ballot, which I think is important. You can actually do that? Like, yeah. just not write anything? Not write oh, anything. Okay. And yeah. then you're still getting out and technically you're, you're technically voting, but you're mm -hmm. not actually giving anybody your support. So then I just think that it's important because there are people who don't have that right. And so... We should be taking advantage of it, even if you don't think anybody's worth your vote. Um, so the way that we have to vote, it's like first past the post. It's not actually majority. Mm -hmm. um, in my in the way that I decided to vote, um, I was seeing in my 
writing who was kind of ahead, like the two parties that were more ahead, because then I knew that the other one wouldn't, um, like my vote wouldn't count. So I was trying to decide between the two. Um, do you guys like that type of um, process of the first system? past the post instead of majority? Do you think that actually represents what the people want? No. I don't Not think so either. Yeah. So a uh, proportional system would probably... I mean, isn't that, how, isn't that how Trump got in? Like Hillary actually got mm-hmm. more votes, but... The Russians. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hillary Clinton did get the popular vote, but because some states have more power in the electrical, mm-hmm. elect, electrical, yeah. electoral college, <laughs> he won. So, but um, there's other countries who do proportional uh, system where it's actually majority wins and it actually changes how many seats are in the parliament. So, you know... 38% isn't actually the majority of what Canada wants. Yeah. I would actually like to say something on that. So um, I know that one country that uses proportional representation mm-hmm. in elections is Sweden. Mm-hmm. And it seems to work well for them. The only issue is that they rarely have a majority government and they often have to form coalitions. Mm-hmm. The reason why I think it would be harder to implement proportional representation in Canada is because... Sweden itself is less than the size of Alberta. Everyone's very close-knit. Their population is all sort of together in Mm -hmm. one space. Canada's very spread out. If we were to implement proportional representation, then I'm sure individual people would feel like they were better represented, but I don't think we'd be representing sort of the different landscapes and areas Mm -hmm. of Canada as well as we could be. So I think it would really be finding sort of a common ground between something like first past the post and proportional representation. And I love having all these options. Like we have NDP, we have Green Party, Conservatives, Liberal, uh, People's Party, and there's people running as independents, right? Um, I think that's something unique and that's something we should be proud of that we have in Canada. Like We are a, d- a diverse country and I think that speaks to our diversity. Like there's so many different types of ideologies and speaking so, you said, so I, w- I was seeing who, who the most popular person was in, in my writing, right? Uh, I also looked at that, and it's always been, in my writing, has been Kent Hare, right? Um, but I think it's it's on us to do our research, right? And especially as students, I feel like here we're, you know, free thinkers here. Um, <laughs> as, you know, from, from, what, from what I see. And it, we have to do our own research. And I think if... I think it's it's really dangerous if it's just like well who's the more who's the more popular one like I, I would I would never say that your vote would never count. I wasn't saying I was going to vote for the more popular one in my writing. I right. was seeing the two to see which one would be the better out of the two. Because so, the other because in I don't know like in my neighborhood you can see <laughs> they put like little what's it called flags you know the oh yeah says, little lawn signs little lawn signs yeah. so I know like what. Right. And I barely see Green Party. I barely see, you know, PC or anything like that. So just basing it off of those two. But again, people who are putting those things in their lawns are people who own homes. Like, from yeah. they tend to be, you know, of, of a higher pay grade. They tend to be a little bit older. I speak to so many youths who are like, you know, I'd love to see the Green Party be in power. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I just don't think anybody's going to vote for them. So it would be a way. So I'm going to vote for somebody else. And so I think what you're talking about is, like, strategic voting, which... 
I think if everybody just voted for who they wanted to vote for deep down inside and, yeah. and stopped kind of doing this whole strategic strategic vote, I mean, who knows what would happen? Maybe the Green Party would get in. I know a lot, and a lot of youths um, are like, you know, the Green Party is going to be great, but it's just not it's just not their time. It mm-hmm. and I don't know. I feel like you should just vote for who you think would best represent you and your province and your mm-hmm. your riding. Your riding, yeah. So I don't know. I I get where people are coming from, especially. I, I I understand it, and I have done it in the past. I'm not going to say that I haven't. Um, but if everybody just, I've just heard so many people say that if all those people actually just voted for who they wanted to vote for, maybe a quote unquote miracle would happen. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it's tough, especially if you. I, I think it boils down to: Do you want to vote for somebody to get in, or do you want to vote to make sure someone else doesn't? True. Uh, so let's get into some of the scandals that uh, we've we've heard throughout this uh, campaign. So obviously we've touched base on Trudeau with the SNC Lavalin scandal, as well as blackface. Now the People's Party leader Maxime Bernier has made some questionable tweets, especially uh, towards immigration. Uh, he is firmly against mass migration, as he says that we have in Canada right now, and he. He said he wants more economic immigrants to come to Canada. What do you guys think that means? European. I think he would be fine with, like, British immigrants coming because he doesn't see them. I don't know. In my opinion, I feel like he's very, um, I don't know. Now, he has claimed that he isn't racist and that his party is not racist. Well, and that's clearly coming from a racist. <laughs> <laughs> and well, no, we're, like, I'm I, not going to no, make that assumption. Well, that's like what he says. I, I don't do. want to sound racist, but. but. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, I'm dude, like, you're going to sound racist. I, I also have a problem with, with the whole we need more economic uh, immigrants to come here. He said he wants more face-to-face uh, interviews with the people coming into Canada. Which I do agree with. There definitely should be a vetting system. There should be a, a, a process where you sit down with the person and say, okay, what was your life back there? And, and what do you... I think it'd be nice to have that, that, um, that dialogue with Did with your newcomers. parents have that? Yeah, my parents definitely did. I'd As the son of immigrants, um, you know, my, my parents, when it comes to immigration, they obviously, they... They're, they're, they're big Trudeau supporters because it was Justin Trudeau's parents who actually, he was in power when, when they came here, right? So when it comes to immigration, I feel like I have a soft spot, and I don't think we have a, a, this mass migration. I think that we help people who come from war-torn areas or people who come from countries who really, they're trying to escape some, some type of... Um, Throw me a word. Tragedy. <laughs> Tragedy. <laughs> there we go. So I believe some of these tweets, some of uh, uh, some of the the remarks that um, Maxime Bernier has made, are a little offensive. They can be taken the wrong way. Um, and I just want to quickly, now that we're on on Maxime Bernier, the People's Party is is a new party. It's it's brand new. Obviously, do you guys know um, how this came to be? Yeah, well, didn't he want to run for uh, conservatives but didn't get in? Yes. And so Stephen Harper even said that he feels like uh, Bernier used this as he, like, kind of had, like, a bit of a fit. And he just created his own party because he just – because he didn't win the conservative leadership. 
So do you think that this this is like a one-time thing? Are we going to see this? Are we going to continue to see this party? Um, see, here's what I've noticed is that ever since Trump got into power, a lot of like, you know how before, like, no one would really outright say that they're racists. And then I noticed the pattern that when Trump went into power, a lot of the people came out like, shame, like, with no shame that, yeah, I don't, like, I'm, I'm pretty much a racist. Well, and he's normalizing it. Yeah. So on your point of like, is this going to be a thing? Is this going to be one of the main parties eventually? I kind of feel like it would be. But then we don't know what the future holds. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But from the pattern. I think that the People's Party might end up being um, more formidable. Maybe that's not the right word. More important in these upcoming elections than we would expect because what it's going to do is it's going to split the conservative vote. So people who are moderately conservative will continue to support the conservative party and then any f everyone who's more on the far right is going to start supporting the People's Party. And I'm actually really interested to see how this election goes because I kind of want to see how the numbers add up. I want to know where everybody stands. Hmm. I think it's going to be interesting, too. Uh, he also claimed that on the, in the polls that the People's Party was at 11%. They're only at 2%. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, on an interview he actually did. He said 11%? Yeah, he said in the most recent poll. Um, according to the latest Main Street poll, it was 3.2% of people that would vote for PPC. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then Singh actually criticized Bernier for even being part of the debates. I actually don't know why the People's Party and the Bloc were at the debates. That to me was interesting. Green Party, I feel like totally. I feel like they're they're definitely making waves, especially as climate change uh, is 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 the the focal point. Uh, it seems obviously liberal, conservative, um, the opposition and the official, sorry, the official opposition. Um, do you think that they should they should be at this debate? Well, I think if they want to be taken seriously and they're like, I want to be seen as an actual person who's in this riding and I want to be seen as taken seriously, then if, if, you're, if you're running, then you should go. Like, if you want your opinions and your voice heard, why not? What's the harm? Yeah, and that's the point of the debates too, right? Is to be heard and to have the people, like, form their opinions and help them with what they would vote. If you were to not go, you'd pretty much be admitting that you're not actually in the running. You're not even taking yourself yeah. seriously at that point. So according to that same poll from the latest Main Street poll, 7.6% um, of Canadians will vote for Bloc Québécois, 7% for the Greens, 31.9% for the Liberals, 30.9% Conservatives, and 18.6% NDP. Um, I'm looking at a poll tracker on CBC News. Yeah, it has changed a little bit. Yeah. Conservatives do have a little bit yeah. of an edge. Yeah, right now they are, they have more. They're at 32.1% and liberal 31 point, at 31.1%. And I think that's where you saw the two because um, People's Party was 2.6%. Mm -hmm. So which poll do we trust? Yeah. <laughs> are we a fan of polls? Because obviously, if, as if we if we compare it to the American election, um, I thought it was really interesting because I I liked watching the Trump rallies mm -hmm. just because it was interesting to see what he had to say and how he had to say it. 
Um, and he always said, we're leading in this poll. We're, we're leading in this poll. I never believed it. But <laughs> and he ended up winning the election. I was like, what? Maybe he was leading in those polls. Maybe we should be looking at these polls a little more seriously. Do you guys think that these polls in, in Canada are, are worth looking at and are worth trusting? I mean, I would like to know where they're getting the data from. Yeah. But... So Based the on CBC, yeah, the, C- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the CBC says um, the poll tracker aggregates all publicly available polling data. So, I think that's pretty. Again, good. I think it should be something that you can keep in your arsenal and use it to kind of guide you, but don't take it at face value. Okay, so let's move on to the next scandal. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so well, well there, there, the most recent scandal, uh, a video was released of Andrew Scheer not standing up during the national anthem at the House of Commons. And that was just released, I believe. That was today. Why? So is this, is this a little bit of, oh, you have our blackface video? Well, we have this on you. This is the dirty politics that I'm not a fan yeah. of. This is something we're used to seeing maybe down in the States. If Definitely this, not in Canada. If this was Colin Kaepernick or someone who was kneeling during the national anthem because they were trying to stand for injustice i would say go for it but if you're just sitting down because you're lazy or because you just don't feel like it well it's also like do you want someone running your country who won't even stand for your country's anthem yeah shouldn't they be incredibly patriotic and like very passionate about the national anthem has he come out with any comments Um, about why he was sitting down? So, according to Global News, uh, conservative leader Andrew Scheer said on Wednesday that he stayed seated while members of parliament sang O Canada after voting to change the lyrics um, three years ago because the liberal government was using Canada's national anthem for a political statement. Um, This was updated today, or uh, updated October 16, 2019. So article. basically, just because he didn't agree with the liberals, he sat down during the national anthem. So this was, this was after they changed the lyrics? Were they singing it with the updated lyrics? So next paragraph says, Shear's comments came a few hours after Mark Garneau, a longtime MP and minister of transport in Justin Trudeau's cabinet, tweeted video of MP singing O Canada in the House of Commons during the third reading of C2. 210, a bill that sought to amend the lyrics of, a, of the national anthem to make them gender neutral. She remains seated and appears mm. in the footage to be looking at his phone. Yeah. Oh my. That's, a, that's from Global News. Yeah. That's from Global News. Is this going to have any effect on the way people vote? Should scandals mm. According the to people? the polls, no. <laughs> And that, well, that's they already voted. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying, too. I mean, did, did the whole blackface scandal affect Trudeau's numbers? Is this national anthem debacle going to affect Shear's numbers? Well, let's touch on Trudeau's blackface scandal. He was dressed as Aladdin, and it's kind of brownface, blackface, because he painted his whole um, body mm-hmm. brown for that role, and he did it three other times, correct? Yeah. There's an actual video. I think it was two. It was like, yeah, it was like he said he was only in two, but then they Andrew came out Shear. with a video. <laughs> Andrew Shear said that he lost, Trudeau lost track, uh, lost track <laughs> on how many times he wore blackface. When uh, the scandal came out, what did you guys think? And did that impact 
how you viewed the Liberal Party or Justin Trudeau or how you were going to vote. This um, happened. Like, the photos was taken to 2001, I believe, right? Something it like was, that? yeah, it was a while. It was a while. It was like 20 years ago. Almost what? close to 20 years ago. I don't think it was a good thing that he did. Like, obviously for him, this is embarrassing looking back on. But I also I have to kind of question the conservatives in this. Like, I don't know how much I respect digging up into someone's past, finding something crappy that they did 20 years ago, and then saying, hey, look what this guy did. Doesn't he suck? Um, so according to the National Post, a liberal spokesperson said that the video was filmed in the 1990s, so when in his early 20s. And when I think about them bringing up his past, I think about our generation now when we get into politics. Imagine the amount of dirt that they can bring up from our generation's past. Because I know, like, personally, a lot of um, people, when they were, like, in junior high, they did a lot of things that they probably shouldn't have and Mm -hmm. if that comes out from their Twitter and you know that could really affect their future but you know when you're younger you think that things are cool is it okay to like forgive it's kind of like going into the cancel culture yeah um are people allowed to evolve can we forgive or are we going to keep going back and saying that's who they are you know with Trudeau, a lot of people said that him doing that shows that he's not actually like the liberal progressive man that he is trying to be. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think mm-hmm. just judging from the photos and the video itself, I think he was a kid who probably didn't realize the implications of his actions. I'm by no means condoning his behavior, but. I think after a certain point, when do we just forgive and forget? And again, it'd be different if he did it, like, last year. Yeah. That would yeah. be way different. Yeah. Like, I feel like context is important, too, right? Like, when it was taken. In. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm not saying that it's right that he did that. Yeah. Yeah, like, we're not excusing the behavior. Yeah. But at a certain point, it's like, when is enough enough? And that's, like, going back to what I said earlier, like, these, these dirty politics... I feel like it was just like one person kind of did this low blow and it opened up the floodgates and now everybody's kind of dipping their feet in this dirty politics pool and it's just not something that I really want to see happening in Canada. Again, it, it to me seems like more of a a U.S. game. And, and, and sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. That's okay. I was just gonna say um, this this does feel like a conservative versus liberal game. That that's what's that's what's going on. Even during the the debates, mm-hmm. um, they said Andrew Shear, you can ask a question to anyone, and he turned his whole body to Trudeau, and Trudeau did the, did the same thing, right? <laughs> so, I just feel like personally, this is just a game that liberals and conservatives are are playing. I feel like they don't take the other parties as serious. Obviously, obviously, Jack Jagmeet Singh is making some some wave, but I feel like it's a lot of. Uh, just a little high school drama that's going on right now in politics. <laughs> like, do we think Trudeau has done a lot for equality in this country? I mean, he's definitely tried to make, um, like, put more women in power. He had as equal amount of women as he did men, and I, I think I personally think he has done a lot for equality in this country. And that something that he did 20 years ago isn't necessarily 
like I'm not the person I was 10 years ago. Yeah, for sure. I would hate to meet myself today 10 years ago. I'd be like, you're the worst. Trudeau <laughs> said he also didn't want to be a politician when he was young. And obviously that's changed too, right? And I'd hate to be, you know, just uh, if I did something 10 years ago, I'd hate for that to, to come up and people are just judging me based on that one, um, you know, one scenario. Um, but I do think that uh, Trudeau has has done a lot for equality here. Again, he has, you know, there was that the the whole SNC Lavalin thing where he ended up firing uh, two, I believe it was two females. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of them was Jody Wilson Rebel, who was the first Indigenous um, Attorney General, I believe. And Sheer was right on that, uh, and during the debate, mm -hmm. uh, he said he had nothing to learn from Trudeau based uh, from based on Indigenous rights and equality because of of all that. Um. But I mean, Trudeau again has lifted over half of the boil water bans. So he's... It's not easy to, you know, to, to, to bring everyone to an understanding. You know what I mean? Like, obviously Trudeau is trying his best. He tried to have like a cabinet with, you know, half females, half men. Like he tried that, right? And obviously it's, a, it's again, it's like a, this transitional period where you don't really see that in politics, right? And Trudeau was trying to make that push, and I don't think, I think that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, if it doesn't work out, then he he has every right to bring in another male, female, or well, and yeah, I mean, men get fired in politics all the time, and nobody makes a big deal out of it. But it's like, honestly, if a female is making decisions and mistakes that were like are warranted for them to be fired, then don't not fire them just because they're a woman. I mean, there are plenty of other people out there who I'm sure can do their job. I'm sure there's plenty of other women out there who could take their job. I think if someone needs to be fired, they should be. If they gotta go, they gotta go. Y you gotta go. Exactly. So after all this discussion, do you guys think that there was, there has been a single most important issue? I mean, I think that'll vary from person to person. I mean, just based on media and what people are talking about, it's got to be climate change. I, I think that's say. that's that's the biggest issue in this election. I would say climate change. It's not just an issue in the election; it's an issue in the world, and it yeah. has to be addressed. Mm -hmm. I would agree. So, what has been the high point and low point of this election? What do you guys think? The low point has definitely been the dirty politics. Yeah, definitely. It's leaving a really bad taste in my mouth. Mm -hmm. Personally, I taste it too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a high point. You know, I think the high point for me personally, um, I love seeing the growth of the NDP party and I love seeing the growth of the Green Party. I feel like they finally have more of a voice in Parliament. Mm -hmm. And again, that just brings more options to Canadians when when it's time to vote. Like it doesn't have to be liberal and conservative all the time. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think the high turnout for people to go out and vote has been great, and I that's been a real mm -hmm. high point for me in this election, seeing people actually go and vote. Because a lot of people are always worried with like younger the younger audience or whatever about voting because they don't see us as motivated to go out and vote, vote but I think that from these numbers, we can see that a lot of people really do care. Mm -hmm. I think that's very true. I think, um, I think that our generation is coming into 
sort of the realization of how important it is for us to get out and vote because, I mean, we're the voice of the future. Mm -hmm. What has surprised you about this election? Again, I would have to say the dirty politics. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I can't drop it. I won't drop it. It's, honestly, I just have no time for it. Yeah, I do agree because during the debates they they were more focusing on low blows especially you know Sheer and Trudeau when they were attacking each other they weren't attacking each other based on like I don't know their policies they were true I remember Sheer saying something like oh um y- you're you're making you're putting on a lot of masks like a blackface mask and a liberal mask and blah 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 it was like a rap battle. <laughs> yeah. Distracts. <laughs> Which is entertaining. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I was fully immersed in that in that banter. It was very entertaining. Yeah. I just obviously I could have. I, I think. Sorry. The question again was the 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 low point. What no. What has surprised you about this? this oh, surprise. So again, I think just based on the debates. Um, I feel like especially the the People's Party of Canada, I think that's just kind of got me thinking a lot as to (laughs) what that means for for Canadian politics just because, again, I I like the the point that you brought up that it's going to split the the conservative vote. I think that's super interesting, and I think that's definitely going to have an effect on uh, on the results. So uh, did the debates for you guys, like, did it... Did it um, did it make you want to vote for this certain person based on their performance or how they talked at the debate or just thoughts from everyone? I mean, if we're if we're looking at an overall winner, I just feel like based on how he was speaking and the confidence, uh, I think that uh, Jagmeet really had a, an edge over everyone. Uh, well, I think him and Elizabeth May really yeah. were, were focused. We're focused yeah. on the questions, and I think that was. Um, Again, during debates, the you know the politicians they they try to d- divert around yeah. the questions. But I think I love when Elizabeth May was like, "Well, the question actually was," and then she would go on to answer the question. Jagmeet uh, d- uh, did the same thing. Um, so I think it really opened up because I you know not to be not, not to say that I support you know the liberals, but you know seeing Elizabeth May and Jagmeet, it really made me think a little bit more about how I'm going to exercise my vote. I think the debates really just reinforced what I was already thinking in the first place. But it's always nice to, like, you, you, you think one thing, you do your own research, you watch the debates, it reinforces that. I think that's comforting. Joe? No. <laughs> Joe? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've... um. We've talked a lot about scandals, a lot about the debates, a lot about platforms, how it affects students and other people. Um, So I think that just about wraps us up for tonight. A few thank yous before we have to go. Um, I mean, Joe Horward, our senior producer, we couldn't be here. She made all this happen. So thanks to Joe. Uh, Peter Roman was the producer, Dayton Abbott producer, and then Azam was the operations Uh, And to our professor, Karen Owen, who's always helping us out to get these projects rolling. She truly does believe in us all. Uh, You can listen to this podcast online at cmru.ca at any time. Uh, Once again, I'm Victoria Ashley. I'm Amber Ortega-Pinto. 
I'm Madeline Seifert. I'm Michaela De Los Santos. And I'm Carlos Montesino. So we want to thank you for joining us. And remember to go and vote on Election Day. If you're not sure who to vote for, we recommend checking out CBC's Vote Compass and do some quick Google searches on the candidates in your riding. Be informed and get to the polls. Have a good night.